0: If you are, a, are here at Grace on campus, we want to say we're delighted that you're here. If you're online with us, we want you to know that you are a special honored place here too. And uh, so wherever you're at, it's all good. So today we're going to continue in our series, Non-Negotiables. And so let me tell you the basis of this series. The basis of this series is that there are certain things in the Christian life that are negotiable, and there are some things that are not. And so what we're talking about are the things that are not negotiable. There's some things like, when, do, when does the rapture happen? That's a negotiable issue. We can disagree about that. You know, you'll be wrong. I'll be right. And uh, it's all good. It's all, I'm just saying it's all good. It's all good. I, I don't have a problem with that. But there are certain things, like who is Jesus? That's non-negotiable. And today we're going to talk about another one of those non-negotiable issues in the Christian faith. And that that is the idea of the Trinity. And so you're never going to see the word Trinity in the Bible, but it is all the way through the Bible. And it is such an important concept in the Bible that God has revealed Himself as Father, Son, and Spirit, one God. Three distinct personalities. I don't get it. I'm going to tell you right up front before I even teach this today. um, I'm just going to say that, you know, I've spent lots of money in graduate school. And uh, I hope, I was hoping, I was praying that God, please let me understand the Trinity. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't understand it. You know why I don't understand it? Because it's a mystery. And mysteries are, what God wants from us is for you and I to have a confidence, a trust that this is how God has revealed Himself and this is how I accept Him. So I'm just going to tell you that it is a difficult concept and uh, I, want to, I want to tell you a story here that I think will help you understand the depth of the Trinity. So how many of you all know of, about a guy by the name of Augustine? Augustine's an old dead guy, lived around 400 A.D. And somewhere along the way, he, he did some amazing writing, writings. He was a pastor in North Africa, he was a philosopher, and he was a theologian and very well respected, and in history his writings are very well respected. And shortly after Augustine had finished his theological work on the Trinity, he was walking along the Mediterranean. And he came across a, a, a young boy, and the boy had dug a hole in the sand. Pretty deep one for a kid. And then he had a bucket, and he was taking a bucket and he was going into the ocean, and he was grabbing this bucket, and then he was filling this hole with this bucket of water. And Augustine, you know, said, son, what you doing here? And uh, he says, I'm, I'm just, I'm making a new ocean, basically, you know. He's, you know, taking this water here and putting it over there. And, uh, and Augustine kind of chided the kid and said, that's impossible. You're never going to do that. And, uh, as he was walking away, Augustine was walking away, he was thinking the sea is far too vast and the hole is far, the hole is far too shallow. You're never going to transfer that water. And as he was walking away, he had this thought. It dawned on him that his, in his efforts to write on the Trinity, he was much like that little boy. That the subject was far too vast and his mind was far too small. See, here's the thing. Your mind can't contain all there is that God has revealed about Himself. So what God expects for us, from us, at that moment in time, is to believe by faith, reasonable faith. There are some things that God, we're going to show you today, some reasonable faith for you to put your hope in. But the reality is, the amazing thing is, is that you're never going to fully, you're never going to fully understand the Trinity. But that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the Trinity That you can't pray to the Trinity, that you can't have this fellowship with the Trinity. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, you can do all those things. And here's why. Deep in the core of the sun, the temperature is about 27 million degrees. And there are some things happening that I don't understand in the sun. I mean, there are fusions and there's nuclear reactions and, and they're continually taking place. All I know is that I get up every morning and there it is right? And here's what else I know. I know that if I stay too long in the sun, I get a sunburn. I can enjoy it. I can, I can know, I can know what I know and not know everything and still enjoy what the sun is and what it does for me. I, I can do that, all those things. And that's how it is with God. You don't have to understand everything there is to know about the Trinity. And I'm going to tell you I know after every service, people come up and say, hey, i got an illustration for you. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to save you some time. All those illustrations are kind of trite. Because how can you take, like people come up and say, hey, it's like an egg. You know, the egg has three parts. And I'm just going to say, listen to me carefully. How could you compare God, the creator of the universe, to an egg? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, does it to you? Come on, now, were you thinking about it? So there are things of God that we don't know yet. Maybe a million years from today we have a much fuller understanding, but today there's just some things that you and I just have to accept by faith. And the Trinity is one of those things. And it is interesting that as you, as you learn how to do that, you can enjoy the reality of how God has revealed Himself to you. Now, we're going to look at some Scripture today. And before we get started today, I have one rule in the services today, just one you got to have fun, okay? So if I don't sense you're having fun, I'm going to start over. So if you want to be out of here in 23 minutes and 36 seconds, I'm just saying, put a smile on your face, shake your head at me going, oh, that was amazing, Pastor Dan. And I'll think you're having fun and we'll get out on time. Is that a deal? All right, so here we go. Here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verse number number 26 says, this is God's first revelation to man uh, 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 in Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Notice with me the plurality of God here. God God is talking to somebody. Then God said, let us. Who's he talking to? He's talking... To the Son and to the Spirit. So So God says, let us make man in our image to be like us. Then we fast forward, and there's so many other mirrors like that in the Old Testament. Then we come to the New Testament, and I want to show you one clear verse that I think trumps almost every verse that you can find, and that is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 2. And this is what it says. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. That's the Father. And His Spirit has made you holy. There's the Spirit. And as a result, you have have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. There you have it. Father, Son, and Spirit wrapped up in one verse. They're all... They're all God. So let me define the Trinity for us because I think it's really important for us to understand there is one God, there is one God who manifests Himself in three distinct personalities, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father is not the Son. When Jesus was on the planet and He prayed to His Father, He wasn't praying to Himself, He was praying to His Father, So I'm telling you, three distinct personalities, yet there's only one God, and that one God has a name. His name, His name, this one singular God's name is Yahweh. That's how the the Bible reveals God to you and I. Stated plainly, God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all at the same time, but the Father, Son, and Spirit are three distinct persons. They're persons. Not forces, they're persons. So what difference does that make in my life? That's the question I would spend most of my time today on. What difference does believing that have, what kind of impact does that have on how I live my life in 21st century America? So let's start with this statement. All of them, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, play a daily active role, not only in your salvation, but in your life. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are playing a very active role in your life right now. So let's see how that plays itself out. Let's start with the Father. What is revealed in Scripture about the Father? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, this is what it says. Even before He made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Stop there for just a second. Now, I don't know if you understand what this verse is saying or if you are just daydreaming right now. If you're daydreaming, now listen to me. Did you know, this is so mind-boggling, did you know that before God created the world, whenever that was, young earth, old earth, Who knows how long it's been. But before God created this planet, He had you on His mind. Now that should make you stop in your tracks and go, wow, that is pretty darn amazing. Before God, before, and let's talk about after God created the world. Before your parents had that one night with a bottle of wine, And you were conceived. Before that event took place, God had you on His mind. He knew you by name. He knew you by personality. He knew you by character. He knew you, He knew what a mess you were. A million, trillion years ago, before anything took place, here's what this verse says, is that God made a choice And that choice involved you as a child of God. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This all happened in eternity past somewhere. It all happened somewhere in the past where God made a choice for you. And then and then brought the circumstances in your life, brought you to that one moment in time, brought you to that one moment in time where you were stirred in your heart and you then made a choice to say yes. But God is the one who initiated that. God's the initiator of your salvation. You are not. God is. God initiates it and it is so powerful. And then the verse goes on. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That word "pleasure" in the Greek language is the strongest word for pleasure. If I could translate this literally in this text today from the Greek into the English, it would say it "tickled God pink." It, got, it brought God this amazing pleasure to choose you, to adopt you, to call you by name, to bring you to that point of salvation. So, and this is, this is the only reasonable response. Then the next part of this verse says, so we praise God. Yeah, why not? Hello? The reason I praise God is because of His amazing person and work. It is so good. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. That is the work of the Father. He has chosen us in Him. He has loved me before, before I ever loved Him. God started loving me with this amazing love, knowing what a wreck and a ruin that my life was, knowing what a rebellious punk I used to live. That's what used to be my lifestyle. He knew all of that. And yet, God saw past that to a plan for me and for you, by the way, that is absolutely mind-boggling. And he adopted me into his family. He invites me into a community called the Trinity. And not only that, he accepts me by his grace. God is the only being in the universe, bar none, bar none, that accepts you by his grace. Everybody else has strings. I'm just telling you. I have no doubt my wife loves me, and I have no doubt that I love her. But in every human relationship that I've ever experienced, there are always conditions. And when the conditions aren't met, there's heck to pay in every human relationship, right? Isn't that true? Come on now. but the, but the God of the universe accepts you purely by his grace, and that should make you do cartwheels. That should, make you, that should make you want to live for Jesus every single day knowing that He is the only being in the universe that sees the dirt, the good, the bad, the ugly, sees all the things that go on in your mind, sees all the struggles, sees all that, and yet accepts you by His grace. Now, that's the Father. Let's talk about the Son. Let's look at the Son's work in our life. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, he is so rich. Now, we're still talking about the Father. We're going to get to the Son in a minute. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son. The Father sends His Son and purchased us and forgave all of our sins. He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He has, by His Son, this is the work of the Son of my life, He has redeemed us, forgiven us, and revealed God to us. And that is such an amazing work. So let me ask this question. Do we have any garage sailors in here? Come on, just raise your hand really high. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. We have a group on Monday nights for garage. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I just said it, but I didn't mean it. <clears throat> so I, I, I actually love garage sailing, personally. Uh, it's It's fascinating. Because this, let me describe garage sailing to you in a way that I understand it. Maybe this is wrong. Correct me after the services if, I, if I'm wrong about this. But here's the thing, this is how it goes. So people take things that are already on their road to the garbage. Already, you know, I've already made a decision. We've got to get rid of this. Honey, you can't keep that anymore. Okay. Okay, well, maybe we should put it on a garage sale. Maybe somebody else would like that. And so we take our garbage, and we set it out on a Saturday morning and we put prices on it. Now, am I getting this wrong? Okay, we put prices on it and then people come up and say, I'm not gonna pay, I'm not gonna pay a dollar for that, here's a quarter. (laughs) And we negotiate and we end up at 35 cents and then my garbage goes out, I get money. I get money for my garbage, it goes out the door, everybody's happy and then eventually whoever bought that or if I bought that, guess what's going to happen to it? In about two years, it's going to be in my garage sale and I'm going to barter for a price for it because it was on my pile to get it out. Get it out. That's garage selling. It's a fun thing. It's a fun thing. Now let's think about that spiritually. So in a garage sale, when you stumble across something that catches your eye, you rescue it, right? And you arrest it, you, 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 Save it from impending doom, you negotiate a price, and then convert it to something of value. Just like Jesus did for you. When you read the Bible, you were born an enemy to God. You weren't born His best friend. God was your enemy. You were His enemy. And you are destined for the garbage heap. But God saw value in you. And God saw beyond all the stuff, all the, all the issues in your life, and he reached down, and with his own blood, he negotiated a price for you. That was his blood. Saved you, brought you into his kingdom. It's a beautiful thing. And, and when you begin to think about that rescue, that is an amazing thing in and of itself, that God is a rescuer of that which is broken. And I'm telling you, when I think about it, you know, when I think about my own personal journey to God, I wasn't, when, my own personal God story isn't, I didn't get up broken one morning and go, man, my life is a mess. It's a ruin. It's a wreck. i got to find God. I know I've got to figure out how to get my life better. I had to deal with God. I had to deal with God. You stay out of my life, and I'll, I won't tell you how to run the universe. I wasn't looking for God when God intersected, negotiated my price, paid the price for me, saved me by his grace. That's my God story. I wasn't looking for God at all. That's the story. And then he saw that value, transformed me by his marvelous blood into his own righteousness and then put his plans on my heart. That's the story of the gospel. By the way, you see these pews out here? Some of you are sitting in some of those. We just got pads on them, by the way, so if you ever want to try it out, they're more comfortable today. But you know what? Those pews were destined to the garbage heap. And Karen Durr saw them one day and said, we can can fix these. We can make them better. We can can make them something special. So we did that. We purchased them. We negotiated the price. We fixed them up and we now, now people are sitting on them at Grace Church. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how God works in a very concise way. So let's talk about the Spirit. The Spirit is probably one of the most undertaught parts of the Trinity, persons of the Trinity. And so let me just say this about the, the, the Spirit of God, rightfully so, because the Spirit has a very specific role to play. So let me talk about that for just a second. So let's talk about the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. Let's talk about that first. So, how does that work itself out? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the, 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 the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So, so listen to this passage. This is so good. There are two key words in this passage. The first word is the word sealed. So the Holy Spirit is the one who seals us until the day of our redemption. He is the seal. And He is the deposit. He is the unredeemable down payment of your salvation. So how serious is God about your salvation? How serious is He? Here's the reality. When you got saved... God sent His Spirit the moment you got saved, whether you detected it or not, whether you knew it or not, God sent His Spirit and sealed you. He now lives inside of you as the seal and the deposit. Let's talk about that unredeemable down payment, the deposit. When you go out and you buy a used car, right, oftentimes you'll put a deposit down until you can arrange your financing. So that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He is the unredeemable. It's it's unredeemable. He is the unredeemable down payment of your salvation. So much so, listen to this carefully. When I say this, a lot of people are shocked when I say it. But for the believer, if it were possible for you, if it were possible for you to go to hell, the Holy Spirit would have to go with you. Why? Why? Because he's the unredeemable down payment of my salvation. He is the sealer. He seals me. What's that? The word seal there is really interesting. The word comes from a Roman, a Roman king thing where if, the, if a king wanted to send a message to somebody outside of his kingdom and he wanted to make sure it was delivered outside of his court, he wanted to make sure it was delivered, he would take his ring... And he would take swax and he would seal, he would seal that message with his own ring. That's the concept here. The Holy Spirit is your seal so that you're not tamper, you're tamper-proof. You can't be, you can't be messed with. You can, you can mess your life up. You can get turned upside down, but listen carefully. You cannot, you cannot lose your salvation because of the Holy Spirit who now lives in you as the unredeemable down payment and as the seal of your inheritance. He has sealed us and deposited us in our lives. So let me see if I can unpack it for you this way. When a woman first becomes pregnant with child, sometimes, not always, sometimes she doesn't even know she's pregnant yet. For some it's different, some... You know, some women have told me I knew I was pregnant from day one and, you know, that's great. Amen to you. I'm glad, I'm I'm really happy for you. Other women don't know that they're pregnant until the baby starts to grow and changes start taking place, and all of a sudden you're nauseated and you're going, what's up with that? And, you know, I'm not an expert on this. I'm not, I'm not claiming to be a doctor here. I'm just telling you, I've done thousands of hours of research. No, I haven't done thousands of hours of research. I'm just telling you that some women don't know they're pregnant until changes start happening in their body. And then they realize when those changes start happening, as the baby starts growing, and people around them see that, it becomes obvious to her and to everybody else around them. Now let's think about that as it relates to the Holy Spirit. The moment we come to faith, the Holy Spirit is in us, even if we can't always know it. So when I got down on my knees in 1977 and received Christ as my Savior, I got up off my knees I didn't know the Bible. I wasn't a churchy guy. I I never went to church, actually. I just got saved. And all of a sudden I got up and I knew something was different. I knew something was different. What I didn't know was it was the Holy Spirit that was now living in me. That's what I didn't know. And then as I started to move forward in life and I started to experience the Holy Spirit, He began to grow inside of me. His influence grew in me. And soon it became evident to everybody around me that I possess the Spirit of God because my life was changing. I knew it then. And, and, and so that's how it works. Sometimes he slips in quietly. Sometimes it's with a little more bang, not always, but most of the time he just slips in quietly. And then he begins to grow an influence in your life. And I'm telling you, it is a beautiful thing. That's the Spirit's work to the life of the believer. He indwells us. He empowers us. He convicts us. He leads us. He comforts us. He does all those things in us. That's the, that's the work of the Spirit to the believer. Now, earlier I said that he is the most misunderstood and undertaught part of the tri- triunity, person of the tri- Trinity, and, and rightfully so. And here's why. In John chapter 16, this is his ministry to Jesus. The Spirit actually has a ministry to Jesus. So here it is. In John chapter 16, Jesus is telling His disciples, I'm soon going to go away. I'm going to go away pretty soon. And I'm going to send the Spirit and He is going to be another one just like me. And then in John chapter 16, uh, He says something really powerful. Jesus says, He will bring glory to me. The role of the Spirit isn't to call attention to Himself. The role of the Holy Spirit is to put the spotlight on Jesus. That's how I got saved. He spotlights Jesus. That's the role of the Spirit. It's a very powerful thing. Now, having said all that about the Trinity, what difference does it make in my life, what difference does it make to me that I believe in the Trinity and I let the Trinity work inside of my life? First of all, it will allow you to appreciate the great salvation that you have in your life. Look at me in the eyes. Listen to me. If you're on camera, listen to me. I don't think that we understand the great salvation that God has wrought in our life. I think we underappreciate it, undervalue it, and, and I'm telling you honestly, I think all of us are in the same boat. I don't think we recognize that the whole trinity... All of the Trinity, all of God had a part in bringing me to that moment in time when I believed on Jesus. And it is, I think the first thing that I should be doing is I should have this spirit where I start appreciating more deeply the work of God in my life. Not the work of religion, the work of God. Start to finish. You didn't initiate your salvation. You didn't. And you're not going to finish it either. He is from start to finish. This great work of salvation is so amazing that it's hard even to articulate words to describe it. But I'm certain, I'm certain in my life and in your life we undervalue the nature of this great salvation that we have. Secondly, it should make you drop to your knees and worship the living God. It should make you drop to your knees and worship the living God. And I haven't mentioned this yet, it shows the community in which you are invited into. Do you realize that you're never alone? The moment you were saved, you were invited into a community, Father, Son, and Spirit. You're in a community and that community is all around you, in you, and working for you on your behalf, before you and behind you, all around you. You are in a community. Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what the Bible says. It allows you then to appreciate and understand there's so much about God. Listen to me carefully. Again, look me in the eyes when I say this. There's so much about God. I'm in the same boat. There's so much about God that I don't know. And neither do you. And so I need to be on this quest that should create a thirst in me to know this amazing God and Here's what's fascinating about the Trinity. God has identified Himself with three birds in the Bible, each one teaching us something about His care and concern, each one representing a part of the Trinity. So let me just share with you. God the Father is like an eagle. He is majestic in His nature. He is your protector. He's your warrior God. He is amazing God. And He cares for you. God is the son. According to him, Jesus said this, not me. He's like a hen. He's like a mother hen. He said he sat on the on the hill of Jerusalem one day and he said, "Oh Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers its chickens, but you would not come." And so this hen, he likens himself to a hen that will protect us from all of the prey around, and then. God the Holy Spirit is like a dove. He wants to descend on us with power and purity and give us the ability to live the kind of life that God has for you and I to live. I'm going to tell you honestly, I can't live the Christian life and neither can you. Only way that you can ever have power in your life is when you let the Spirit of God live through you. That's where the power of God comes from. It doesn't come from your human effort. It comes from the Spirit of God indwelling inside of you. That's the power of the living God. So let God bear you up like an eagle. Let Him be an eagle to your life. Let God shelter your soul like a hen shelters its chicks. And let God impart power and purity into your life. Surrender to that. Give yourself over to that. Live your life in that way so that in in the end you can walk in this amazing fellowship. Father, Son, Spirit. Put your name in there too. He's invited you to share life with Him. That is so powerful. When you came in today, you were handed a card. That card has most of the Apostles' Creed, which comes from the 5th century, as a statement of faith. So let me describe where that came from. It was written from the Apostles' teaching. And the reason it was is because around the 5th century, there was a lot of confusion around who is God, Father, Son, and Spirit. So this creed was written to bring clarity to the church, 5th century, because we wander. So what we're going to do today is we're going to conclude our services with reading it together. But here's what I want you to do, even more than that. I want you to take it home, put it on your refrigerator, your freezer, your dashboard, I don't care where you put it, somewhere you see it every day, and read it out loud. It is a powerful statement of faith. And here's why it's so important. Listen to this very carefully. What we confess with our mouth sets the direction of our life. So I'm just encouraging you to put it someplace of visibility and I hope that you will put your confidence in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. I pray, God, that you'll take my words again and use them for your honor and for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for just the privilege we have today to be invited into such an amazing community. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful and awesome name. Amen.
1: Amen. Would you stand for the reading of the creed together? The words will be on the screen. We believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered, was crucified, died and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. One day he will return and make everything right. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the true Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen.